Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Clicks Click Count Podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel, and we are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is increasing conversions using a UX-centric approach. Today's guest is the founder of Spark DSG, a digital design and development agency that works to solve complex business problems with measurable outcomes. A big welcome to Justin Max. Hi, Justin. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. Now, your agency is a little bit different. It specializes in using a UX-centric approach. But before we dive into all that, can you start for those listeners who may not know, what exactly is a UX-centric approach? Yeah, for sure. Um, So UX is just an acronym. It's user experience. So if your audience is mostly on the marketing side of things, um, you know, and marketing's job is to... Uh, generate awareness, drive traffic, sell to prospective customers. We're sort of on the other side of that. So um, really what we're talking about is serving the needs of the user or the customer when they hit a digital experience and really trying to decrease um, friction in the interaction so that they can complete a task easier, um, have, have better satisfaction with an experience and hopefully come back to that whatever business it is um, and uh, and and just kind of, like I was saying, reduce friction in order to increase metrics and the conversion rates that we're looking to, to drive. So going back to your bio for a, for a moment, it said that you guys solve complex business problems. What what are some examples of those you have solved for, for clients and, and how did you measure the outcomes? Yeah, sure. So we, um, we don't work in just e-commerce. We work across industry verticals. So we're, we have to be pretty nimble. Um, so the, the, the user-centric approach that I mentioned, um, what we're really trying to get at that there is, you know, we really want to understand what's the customer's objectives, what are their roadblocks, what are they thinking, feeling, what's sort of the context of their use, and maybe there's some other influencing factors and how that all marries up to um, business strategy and maybe an existing digital experience. So um, because we work across industries, we have to think um, against those things broadly. And Mm -hmm. then after we understand the the business or the challenge that we're trying to solve for, then apply those sorts of principles to that challenge. So like we might work with a healthcare firm on a B2B SaaS product one day, um, and then be working with, you know, a fashion or cosmetic retailer or home goods retailer the next day. We're using the same approach across those different industries. So I find that some of our most complicated problems that we're trying to solve are with digital products, um, especially B2B products. We're typically working with companies that have, um, you know, sort of a niche um, space 
that have a very specific user base. And we really have to like dig in the weeds to understand exactly what what um, they're trying to do first and foremost, and then um, who they are and kind of what the, those concerns are. So, um, so for us, like an example would be, we did some work with a healthcare company that has um, hardware installation in hospital settings. Mm-hmm. So if we're trying to solve like a digital experience problem, we're designing a new system or optimizing a system like that. You know, we're thinking about things like physical space across an entire campus um context of use of like installing software uh or not software hardware um workflows um and we're we're thinking like not just about the actual user interface but the context of use and how someone actually has to use this product or the system so you know as an example here one of the things that the goals of this one client's uh problem was that they were looking to streamline a process that was largely offline um that was very manual um but was also massively complicated so um, the main thing they were trying to impact was just time to design and provision and install these systems and test them and through a ux process of understanding the user what their needs were and kind of challenges they specifically had you know we were able to identify opportunities to to create a better a better digital product and an example of that was in doing um, customer or user interviews, we learned that the installers sometimes are tracking like tens of thousands of steps uh-huh. in their day. And you'd think, oh, it's because the, um, you know, the campuses are massively huge and it's just natural that they would have all this travel in their day-to-day workflow. But that wasn't the case. Um, the issue was that the existing system didn't allow for like alerts and tasks to be grouped by location. So they would get an alert for something, go take care of it, go to the next piece of hardware, get an alert on their phone or their device, go take care of it, and literally just zigzagging crossing the campus. So just by understanding that one thing about a user, we're able to introduce a piece of functionality that's pretty simple, which is just co-locate um, alerts and, and, and tasks just based off a of location in a physical space. So that's so- like a... Yeah. So, I mean, you had mentioned the UX process. What yeah. What is that process? What do you go through when looking at a, at a website? Yep. So at Spark, we have a process we call ideas, which is initiate, discover, execute, assess, and support. It's five phases of our end-to-end project lifecycle. In each of those phases, we have steps that we have um, defined, uh, tasks that we would define, and kind of getting at that fundamental essential information that influences our our decision making is in the discover process um so we are doing things like upfront we're of course doing stakeholder interviews we're doing customer interviews we're doing heuristic audits of existing systems um we're doing persona development and creation uh, mm-hmm. making sure we understand intimately all the folks that are using a a, a system and an experience um we might even do some user testing moderated and unmoderated user testing kind of what we're looking to do is really identify um you know unmet needs um um unrealized issues with a system um and we're looking to triage triage them improve usability and then in some cases 
you know, surprise and delight with something that wasn't there previously that we uncover through this investigation that needs to be there. So and, for for an e-commerce company, how mm-hmm. does a UX provider like yourself differ from a CRO, conversion rate optimization company? You know, it's interesting because I get asked that question uh, occasionally. And um, I think for us at Spark, um, I think the difference is that because we're not specifically just churning on e-commerce, um, I think we're able to bring some of the things to bear from outside our space um, or outside the e-commerce space to, to e-com. So, um, you know, we might be doing similar things in, in terms of conversion rate optimization, but I find that CRO organizations are, I think, usually running against a set of best practices and there's a little bit of a playbook there. And I and yeah, we can do those sorts of things as well. But I think where we um, gain a bit of benefit, specifically in e-com, is when we have unique experiences um, that maybe there isn't a playbook for or a set of a set of best practices. So an example of this might be um, we uh, well, there's two that come to mind. Um, one is fairly recent, which is we're working with a cosmetics company that has a twice annual promotion. Um, and you know it was it's a big seller it's doing great mm-hmm. um but through our process of talking with customers understanding ex- exactly how they were thinking about considering product how they moved through a workflow um you know we're talking about a unique experience it's not just like a plp page a pdp page at, you know cart it's it's a unique sort of micro experience on the site that has its own UI convention. So there aren't these um, sort of best practices to, to lean on. So through that process, we were able to identify, you know, specific um, optimization opportunities and kind of wholesale changes to what they had previously. And just kind of go th- going through that process, you know, we were able to get, I think it was 12% lift on conversion and 41% increase in revenue for that particular. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it was really good. It's like uh, a very big success story for us. And then another instance was, um, this is some years ago, but we did work for Uniqlo in Japan, their mobile e-com experience. And, you know, I think a CRO company that was US based might struggle with this, but because we're coming at it from our perspective of running through our our sort of the activities that we like to conduct for for, um, UX understanding, you know, we, we were we were able to understand in their market, there were kind of considerations that we didn't have in the US that were just different. Mm-hmm. So understanding the Japanese um, consumer there, like there was a much greater appetite for content at large and content density that as designers in the US would be counterintuitive to how we might lay out specific pages and things. Um, and also just how they positioned and sold the product was different than our assumptions and where we might've come from. Um, so things like daily sales and uh, printed promotions were actually a big deal when we were working with them. Um, so just kind of learning, learning about the unique audience and their unique needs in different markets and in different instances, I think is a, is kind of how we would be considered a bit different than, than a CRO. Um, Now, when you say you're talking to your clients, customers, is somebody on your team actually picking up the phone and calling them? Or is it like a hot jar survey that you're collecting the information? We'll do some surveying, but that's largely if we want to get some quick quantitative information. Um, We find that the 
more insightful moments to uncover things are done through, you know, moderated user testing or direct, um, direct conversation because you get a moment to explore, you know, the why, um, not just what their answer is. And also the depth of the answer is typically a bit better when it's done, um, you know, uh, one-to-one. Surveys are great, um, but for us, we we just find that the depth and quality of the insights are a bit better when we we actually reach out and and um, and chat with folks. And then in some cases, we'll even do things like diary studies, where we're with a consumer. A di- diary study. Yep. What so what is that? So that is where you are tracking um, a user's journey across multiple days. Hmm. So you're, it's, you know, it's a time intensive exercise and, and um, a bit more costly in terms of consumer, you know, the, the incentives you need to use for the study. But if you have something where you're curious about um, how they live and breathe with an experience or, or a brand, a diary study can be a great way to kind of get at that evolution of, of um, the experience. And I find it um, we use it a little bit more when there's maybe um, a native app or something in play where, you know, from the moment they learn about it to they download, to they use it for the first time to, you know, the sixth, seventh, eighth time, how does their experience with that product change over time? And what insights can you learn from that? So that's where like a diary study can be very helpful. And what what are you looking to uncover? I mean, when you get on the phone and you're you're talking to, uh, your clients, customers, what what kind of questions are you asking? I mean, what what are you really trying to get at? Um, I think it, I mean, it, it depends greatly on the nature of the, the, the challenge. But like, for instance, let's say we have an e-com retailer who's a home goods retailer, right? Selling furniture, right? Um, so that would be a very interesting interview because you'd want to learn about you'd want to learn about how they think about purchasing a large piece of furniture that they're going to live with that needs to fit into their home, a physical space. um, And what that would be like, what is the mental process of evaluating that in a digital experience to the point where you're comfortable for, to, to proceed with the conversion. Right. And um, you know, a conversation like that's going to, it's going to result in anecdotes and insights that you just wouldn't be able to anticipate putting and put into a survey question. Um, and folks just don't really typically contribute much when you do open-ended uh, uh, survey questions. So, uh, you know, you can poke and prod a little bit more when you're, when you're chatting with a consumer in that way. Now for businesses who are, let's say can't, can't afford an agency or a fee, would it be safe to say that they should be doing this on their own even? Um, yes, for sure. And a lot of our customers too, like we, um, the way that we work with our clients is highly collaborative. So in some cases there there might be a UX um, person on the team internally. Um, and that's great. That's great. But um, that doesn't mean we can't provide value and help them out. Uh, so we're, we're actually it's pretty common. We're working with internal teams, um, you know, and then obviously where, where, um, where there's a gap, you know, we fill that gap, but yeah. Um, retailers, businesses can, can and should be doing this right. Um, customer insights. It's nothing new. Like we don't own the idea of gathering insight from your customer. 
Um, our, I think the, the difference here is just how you apply that to the thinking about interface design and digital design and development to make the most impact. How responsive are customers? I mean, to most of them, they'll, you know, they'll jump on the phone, they'll, they'll answer some questions or, you know, I guess a, a lot of, th- I think that business owners be worried about that are going to be bothering their customers, but I guess how, how receptive have you found for customers yeah. on taking the survey? Well, there's two ways to run it. One is, and this is the, a great way is just, you know, utilize your, your database of customers and find um, highly loyal customers that are willing to, and excited to contribute. Um, and they, they're out there, they exist. You also, you know, just a, just a level of incentivization um, is just very helpful. And, uh, you know, they, they expect that to some degree. But also like we do recruit, we'll recruit um, certain profiles and demographics and psychographics for, for this sort of thing too. So it might be, um, there's, there's various tools that you can use for that. And um, for instance, we use Respondent, which we like quite a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we can, through them, we can set up, you know, demographic profiles and then um, screen our questions and things to to get at customers uh, when when our clients are reticent to reach out to, you know, their own their own contact pool. But really, have... Sorry, sorry, Andy. No, uh, I was just wondering, um, AI is, is everywhere now. Uh, have you guys implemented any sort of, of AI processes in what you do? Uh, very lightly. It's interesting. You know, I feel like over the next, well, not even over the next, now, um, most businesses that I interact with are, I don't want to say scrambling, but trying to figure it out, trying to figure out like, well, shoot, do we acquire someone? Do we, is there a third party we should be working with? What's the best, what's the best option for us? And everyone's trying to shake this out. It kind of reminds me, um, Andy, I'm not sure when you started your career, but I, I uh, started my career as a designer during the 90s.com bubble. And uh, it feels a little bit like that time. Everyone's not sure. They know they should be sort of trying to figure out what to do and where to be in that space. So I think it'll be an interesting progression. I mean, the companies that we work with for sure are looking into this. And on our side, you know, candidly, we're using it. We're using it to support, you know, um, our strategy work in ways, our content creation and promotion for our own agency. Um, and we have a couple clients who have started some strategic partnerships and we're involved in the, the implementation and integration of those partnerships. So it's not something that Spark is going to go out and create an AI tools, but um, we are we are being involved in helping implement and figure out, figuring out the right ways that they fit into the digital landscape for our, for our retailers or for our, you know, our clients that we work with. Now you had mentioned working on in the, in the late nineties, when did you launch Spark? Oh, uh, 2012. Oh, okay. No, 2011. Oh my gosh. 2011. And, 2011. and have there been any business books that you could attribute to your journey as a, as a business owner and entrepreneur? Uh, yeah. Um, I like, uh, this is a very thin, easy, quick read book, but I like it a lot, which is, um, uh, outcomes over outputs by Joshua Seiden. That's a a great, a great read. Crossing the chasm is a good one. Um, I actually got a lot of value of a colleague slash friend of mine, Jamie Flinchball. I just wrote a book called people solve problems. He's a, he's a lean 
consultant, but I found as an entrepreneur and a business owner that um, I took a lot of value out of some of the things that he had to say in there um, that I applied to my business. So, um, but aside from that, um, I, I like podcasts. I find actually podcast content fits a bit better into my life. I can um, more easily kind of integrate that, but um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of great books out there, but those are just a couple that come to mind. Now I'm curious when somebody comes to you guys, do they already know they have a problem? I mean, what's the pain point that makes them figure they got, you know, they got to do something. Yeah. Um, it's usually, you know, it's funny. Are we a vitamin or are we a painkiller? We're a bit of both, right? Like the companies that know they should be doing UX work are proactive and uh, we're a bit of a vitamin. We come in, we help them kind of maintain and optimize. Uh, but we do get clients who are like, we don't know what's going on here. We need you guys to investigate this issue and and help us sort it out. So, um, but as a as a if I had to if I had to pick one, I I think most people come to us um, because they have an issue that needs sorting out. A lot of times, outside of the, it's funny in the ecom space, it's a bit more of like we need we just want ongoing optimization. We think you guys bring something to the table. We love your design work and we think you will provide value. Um, our other work where we do digital product work, it's more of a painkiller. And it's usually because a technologist has started a SaaS company and then they realize they've never really incorporated design into the process. They've just figured out the features and functionality they need to build and then realize it's not working for folks and they don't know why, but they don't know where to start. So um, I think... I think for us, it's it's kind of split um, based off of what type of company is coming to us. So for your e-com clients, do you have a preferred platform that you guys use if you're doing a, like a redesign? Uh, we're in Shopify a lot. Yeah. Um, but usually we're fairly platform agnostic, both in terms of e-com platforms and CMS systems and things like that. Um, there's a couple we tend to spend more time in. Shopify is the one we're probably spending the most time in. For sure. That's shifted over the years, but um, yeah, that would be the case now. And do you have a favorite success story of one of your clients you could share? Um, can I give you a, like a personal growth slash business success story? Does it have to be just a... Yeah, sure. That sounds okay. great. Well, that, um, that opportunity with Uniqlo was massive for me. Um, and if, if there's entrepreneurs out there listening, I'm sure a lot of you have had this moment where, you know, um, kind of luck meets your ex expertise. And so that was a big win for us. This was a couple, well, not a couple, a bunch of years ago, landing in close, a big deal. And, um, you know, we were up against some big agencies in an RFP and I really didn't think we, I didn't think we stood shot just because of some of the agencies that were in the mix, but we did, we won it. There was some combination of, um, you know, what we brought to the table, we put a ton of effort into the pitch and, you know, the organization was willing to take a chance on us. Um, that that taught me a lot about just going for it. Um, so in a way, that was a su success story. But then the other piece of that was just being completely intimidated by the opportunity, um, but working the problem. And like I mentioned, you know, that one was there was so much to learn in terms of who our, who our users were, how to work within a Japanese business culture. I'd never done that before. Um, you know, how to handle, how to handle late nights with the time zone, 
mm -hmm. um, you know, presenting to the pre president in their, you know, executive boardroom was all very nerve wracking territory, but myself and my team, we just, we just put our heads down and we worked the problem and we used the, the, the process that we use for every project, the Caesar centric process to help solve it. And that just gave me confidence moving forward. Um, so that was a success story in that the, the project went well, uh, it launched, we improved metrics, but more importantly for me as a solo entrepreneur, um, you know, it was a, it was a reinforcing moment where, you know, you're, you're able to land a big project, fulfill it, and then, you know, overcome your own insecurities and, and doubts and things and, and take your team with you for the ride. So that was a very cool one. And how does your guys's fee structure work? Yep. Yeah. So um, we actually, we really value long-term relationships with the clients. Um, so we have about half of our um, client relationships are retainer based. Um, and uh, that works really well. We tend to be a true extension of the client's team in those cases. It's usually with larger clients um, and where we're filling, um, you know, a gap in terms of their capability set. So, um, and that's both on the design and technology side, the you know, um, so like I said, about half are retainer based, um, and that works really well. And we do, you know, we do pride ourselves in doing regular quarterly account meetings, making sure everyone's satisfied that we're accountable for things and that we're planning for things moving forward, bringing ideas to the table. Um, that's another nice thing about being a retainer is that we can be very proactive. You know, we're not uh, receiving requests uh, exclusively. We're, we're also saying, hey, you should be considering this. You should do X, Y, Z. Can we put this on the agenda for next month? And then we still get um, a fair amount of um, project work, fixed fee work. Um, you know, that tends to be more the one-off. Um, but we always try and we always try and establish and do great work for those clients so they come back and, and want to uh, sign on for something a little bit more long-term. And are the fees uh, custom? I mean, it just depends on what the project is and you figure out, you know, what an ongoing retainer is or, or a one-time project worker or how, how. Yeah, we, uh, for our, from a fee, fee structure standpoint, we incentivize the retainer. Um, we have a tiered system um, where the retainer rate is at a, at a pretty good discount to the fixed fee rate. Um, so that's another attractive thing for our clients. You know, we value the fact that they're dedicating uh, or committing to an ongoing retainer. And, you know, for that, we reduce our rate for our clients. So um, that, that tends to work out well for everyone. And who is the perfect client for Spark? If they're out there listening, they should absolutely get a hold of you guys. Yeah, I think, um, well, there's, like I was saying, you know, my, my background is in e-commerce. E so we still, we, we have a number of e-commerce clients. Um, I think we are a great fit for an organization that is, at a scale well where they're well beyond startup mode, um, but they don't necessarily want to commit to uh, hiring a, a, a full design team or UX team. Um, typically, that client has a creative to handle marketing assets and promotional uh, you know, items, but in between redesigns needs a team to help optimize, tweak, and uh, work with a product owner. Uh, internally to make sure that the e-commerce machine is humming along. And then on um, a digital product side, mid-market 
companies are great for us or corporations, again, that just don't have uh, the capability set built out and are looking for, you know, looking to uh, fix some issue that they know exists, but they just don't know where to start. And um, for your e-com work, are you working with clients on their own websites like a Shopify or do you venture into like Amazon stores? No, we don't. We all, their own sites. We don't. We don't um, delve into Amazon marketplaces at all. So, uh, yeah, it would be, you know, working specifically with the the, the retailers dot com and um, you know what whatever ecom platform they might be on, um, and just collaborating with their internal teams to execute. And how can an interested listener learn more about working with you guys? Yeah, you can reach out to us um, via our website, which is uh, sparkdsg.com um, or hit us up on our Instagram or even my LinkedIn account, Justin Max. Um, feel free to reach out. I, I love getting in conversations with, um, you know, with other businesses and even other entrepreneurs who just want to um, talk shop. Uh, I, I always find a lot of value in just having a, a connection with folks and hearing their story as well. So. Um, any of those channels for sure. Well, this has been great. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up today? No, this is it, Andy. Thanks. I really appreciate the time. Podcast is great. I've been enjoying uh, the episodes I've been listening to. So thank you very much. Well, great. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Justin. All right. Thanks, Andy. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Spark DSG or connecting with Justin, you will find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resource center available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all the different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information in case you would like more information on any of the services I've discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing. 